Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Pisces Perspective Podcast, or if this is your first time here, I welcome. Thank you for being here. I am, if I sound a little <laughs> wound up or out of breath, it's kind of, I've had a really busy day so far. Wonderful day. Um, just today is very time critically packed. So I've kind of been racing around since seven this morning. And we'll be racing around about... 40 minutes from now, again, uh, for the next few hours. So I'm just so glad to be sitting here talking to you guys. Um, It is a dear friend of mine's birthday. She is a Gemini. And I we had a wonderful breakfast uh, this morning. And then I had a midwife appointment. Um, So my midwives are actually like an hour away from me. So every time I have an appointment, it is like a two-hour drive round trip. So totally worth it. Um, my experience with them, if, you, if you're if you in like Wellington, GTA, whatever, um, in Ontario, Guelph, Alora Midwives, I like can't say enough. They've been so wonderful. But it is every time I have an appointment, which is starting to become quite often or has even been quite often up until this point, it totally eats up like almost a whole half of my day between the appointment and uh, the drive. I mean, it's three hours in total, but it feels like half the day. (laughs) I also just want to pause to give midwives a shout out. Um, If you don't know much about midwives in Ontario, um, I definitely encourage you to look into it. They are, they do more work than an OB. They get paid less. They do more work. They do at-home visits. They do after-birth visits. They care very, very much. The attention that you are getting is incredible. Now, I'm not like bashing OBs. My sister had an OB and she had a wonderful experience. So I'm like not anti-OB. I just truly believe that midwives in Ontario do not get enough funding. It The demand is there. The reason that I am driving an hour to go see a midwife is because that was the only place I could get in. I tried in my hometown. They were full. I tried three neighboring districts. They were all full. There's only wait lists. And then thankfully, Guelph, Alora had a spot open and I like without hesitation took it right away, even though knowing it was going to be a little bit more demanding uh, with the distance. But that shouldn't be the case. I think that there is enough money that we could be putting more funding into supporting midwives. Midwives do it for the passion. They do not do it for the money. Um, But that does not mean that they should be getting paid so much less. Um, Anyways, not to like rant about that, but I just think it's something that maybe should be ranted about a little more. And of course, I'm just so grateful to be living in a country, having a baby where there is healthcare, like free healthcare provided. I know that's obviously not the case in a lot of other places. And so I do just want to uh, state my gratefulness for that. So yeah, I'm here chatting to you guys. And right after this, I have a two hour appointment in Orangeville. 
And then I am going to try and continue the planting that I started yesterday before it starts to rain this evening. It's supposed to start to rain about 8pm. I had an amazing day in the garden yesterday, like just the entire day, it was like 20 degrees, sunny overcast, sunny overcast, but um, it was just a perfect planting day. And my partner (laughs) spend his day off helping me rake rows in the garden, which I'm very grateful for as well. I will be excited when my gardening bench shows up that I ordered off of Amazon the other day. I know it sounds unnecessary. (laughs) Like when I was ordering it, I was kind of like, am I so like I need a bench to garden? But realistically, I do. I struggled yesterday because it hasn't arrived yet. Just let me tell you, with you as big as I am right now, being um, almost 29 weeks pregnant, I have lost, oh God, sorry, I'm not almost 29 weeks pregnant at all. I, that number's wrong. The baby brain, oh my God. I'm just going to blame it on Mercury retrograde. The (laughs) baby brain is for real. I screw up stuff all the time. And so I'm almost 25 weeks pregnant. I'm like 24 weeks and five or six days or something like that. So anyways, point of the whole thing, I'm quite large. And my center of gravity is like completely different. So squatting like I would normally be able to do. I mean, I can actually hold a yoga squat for like, quite a while, or I previously was able to, I I should say, because I cannot, I cannot now. (laughs) That was very humbling. And then also just being on my knees. um, It's harder to balance. And it's so front heavy with the baby bump. It's actually like really hard on my back. (laughs) And I have all I already have back problems. So anyways, That's why I was like, maybe they'll have something for me online. And they did. They did. It is an adjustable, lightweight bench. So you can adjust the height. So you can kneel on this bench or I can sit on it and lean forward, which feels way better. And it has these little side pocket attachments on either side for like all your tools. So this is fantastic because one thing yesterday, I had to do a lot of walking, like bringing things back and forth and moving things, just like moving things as I needed them. I'm really excited to have everything just on something I can drag that's not that heavy. Uh, So I cannot wait for it to show up, like cannot wait. Even if it does make me feel a little bit uh, geriatric. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. And that is always what I recommend. So So as long as practiced within reason, go for it. Oh, I also just want to like verbalize my gratitude out loud. I did get really good news at my midwife's appointment um, this morning. So there were some complications that we were dealing with, um, which I'm not going to get into, but it's been like a little bit like stressful. I mean, I'm not in a huge way. Like I think I I knew and I believed that everything was going to 
work out the way it was supposed to, no matter what way it went. So I wasn't really like stressed, um, but it does, you know, it's on your mind, but we got wonderful news this morning and I am just feeling like really supremely thankful about that. Okay. Now that we're almost (laughs) like eight minutes into this episode, I'm actually going to tell you what we're going to be talking about. Um, so I posted on my Amber energy services, which is my, my business Instagram uh, earlier this week, asking if you guys wanted to hear more about the part of fortune um, in astrology, because this had been brought up to me by a listener as something they were curious about. And then it did get a bit of a response after the um, episode last week, where I pulled the part of fortune card um, while doing an oracle reading. So uh, the response was like, very, yes, positive. So we're going to be talking about the part of fortune today. Now, for those of you, and I'm sure there is a good handful of you that have not heard this astrological term before, it is a, I'm not going to call it like obscure, because it's actually very, very like, old, it was used um, by, you know, certain groups of astrologers for has been used for a very, very long time. So it's not obscure, but I would say with Western astrology, what we're accustomed to, it's just it might seem a little bit more foreign. And it's not, yeah, it's not traditionally used in Western astrology. So we're just not as familiar with it. So if, if you don't know what it is, it does not mean you don't know astrology. It is just not as talked about. But it is a very interesting area of astrology. And while I don't use it in my daily practice, I have always enjoyed taking a look at it here and there. So I'm by no means like an expert. I just want to throw that out there on the part of fortune. I do know a bit about it, which is what I'm going to be sharing today. But if there is anything that I like did not touch upon with the part of fortune please like email me, let me know um, what I'm missing out on, because it's definitely of interest to me. And uh, I'm excited to dive into it with you right now. So what is it? What is the part of fortune? Well, in early mythology, uh, Fortuna was the daughter of Jupiter, and Jupiter is the god of good luck. So she is the Roman goddess of destiny and bounty. And her name in Latin is... I think I might be not pronouncing this right, so forgive me. Uh, but her name in Latin is Fair, which means she who brings forth. So the part of fortune is just one of the lots among quite a few used in astrology. However, it's definitely like considered one of the weightier ones or the most important one. Um, lots are also known as Arabic parts. So After the fall of the Roman emperor, Western astrology picked up some of the Arabian and Persian practice of reading lots uh, within a horoscope or birth chart. And lots are based on mathematical calculations. So the distance between two points with the degree of the rising sign or ascendant added. And this part of fortune is the same distance from the longitude of the ascendant as the moon lies from the sun. So for example, if the sun and the moon are conjunct, which if you are not familiar with what conjunct is, that means almost perfectly aligned, then the part of fortune would fall on the ascendant. But if 
on the other hand, the sun and moon are in opposition to each other, then the part of fortune would fall on the descendant, which is on the cusp of the seventh house. So the part of fortune's role in the birth chart is believed to show innate talents and where a person feels most like themselves. And it's where you can find joy by allowing the energy of the sign that your part of fortune is in to flow freely. It can also be a primary indicator of prosperity. So in ancient astrology, um, this is created out of the longitudes as we've just gone over the sun, moon, and ascendant, and therefore is composed out of of the three most important, considered most important places in the chart, uh, aside from the midheaven. And as a result, it becomes very important in ancient astrology. In modern astrology, there is more of a tendency to regard the part of fortune as more so a minor point in the chart, but that was not the case with ancient astrology. So when we're looking, and I just want to say, I do generally use modern astrology. Astrology, I use Placidus and I also sometimes use the whole sign house system. I am not an an advanced expert by any means in the ancient, like in ancient astrology. I know a good amount about it, um, but it is not what I use in my practice daily. Um, Although I do have a great respect for it. Um, but I just want to state that before I, I start talking about ancient astrology, <laughs> just a little disclaimer. But with more ancient astrology, the ascendant is considered the primary indicator of the physical body and health. Um, the moon would also be considered a very important second indicator about the body, but there is a, like kind of a difference between them. The ascendant was considered to be the body at its most physical material level. And the moon was like the living aspect of the body, considered the soul, if you will, but the soul incarnated in a physical body. So the part of fortune being composed of both of these, along with the sun, is also an indicator of the living physical body and its relationships with the physical and social world in which we live in. So its capacity to signify that prosperity or that idea of prosperity, it comes from this. If so, for example, if the part of fortune is in good condition, the relationship between uh, the native and the physical um, and social world that he like that this person lives in is one that supports them and enables them to live very well. If let's say it was in more of what would be considered a challenging condition, some people would say poor condition, I don't like to use like good or bad um, terms within astrology, I think that's very, um, well, it's just not the way that I I like to uh, deal with them. But uh, it would be considered, I would, I like to use the word challenging. Um, then the native would have a harder time living in relationship with the world that, that is supporting them. So the same could also be said about the relationships of the part of fortune and health as one. But however, in the case of both signifiers, one, you know, you want to keep in mind that 
no one indication in the chart, not even the part of fortune, can be taken by itself as a total indicator of any area of life, okay? There's lots of areas. This is, again, why birth charts are all so unique. They are truly a fingerprint. You have to look not just at one aspect in the chart, but the whole birth chart. Um, So for example, for health, you would also want to look at the ascendant, its ruler, the moon, and its ruler in ancient astrology. Also the sixth and the eighth house as indicators of illness or death, respectively. They can have strong indications for health, for material prosperity. We're going to obviously be looking at the second house, the 10th house, and their rulers. Um, But that being said, uh, the part if the part of fortune is well placed when there are, you know, benefits or dignified planets in the same sign with it, for example, or the same kinds of planets aspect the part of fortune. Um, this can all be a factor as well. I feel like I've just thrown a lot of astrology jargon at you. So I, I apologize if that was like a big chunk to digest as I went on there. <laughs> Also, as I speak, I think the Amazon delivery van is rolling up the driveway with my gardening bench. I am so excited. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to share that. But back to the part of fortune. So for example, if the part of fortune is a first house marker, we are with Western astrology, if you're using modern Western um, astrology, the natural tendency would be to make the degree of the part the cusp of the first house and to set up equal houses from the part using the part as the ascendant. But ancient astrologers did it a, a bit different. And what they did was characteristic of house division in all of the oldest texts, including we know even all the way back to Platomi. Um, and th- the thing is that the entire, mo- any modern problems that come with all these different house systems and the division, it, it didn't exist in ancient astrologers. They, d- with ancient astrologers, they didn't see the signs as separate from the houses. So the houses were simply roles that the signs took on depending on their relation um, to some point that marked one of the signs as being the first house or or place. Place is the proper translation of the word the ancient uh, astrologers used for house or as we use the word house. So the marking point, it, which actually in Greece, they, they called horoscopes. So if the ancients, particularly ancient astrology um, in the West, use the ascendant and the part of fortune as the major hour markers, and then ancient astrologers in the East, um, so like in India, use the ascendant and the moon as the primary hour markers. So I hope that gives you more of an idea of like, where did this term even come from? And again, I do apologize. It is like a more it gets very like astro astro talky um because it is like it is a little bit more um like obscure or advanced or whatever so i apologize if some of that went over your head um uh, don't worry about it we're going to slow it down a little bit here so overall 
Yes, the part of fortune has the word fortune. It is connected with fortune and luck. It can show innate talents that we hold and how we want to optimize them. So when we're looking at it in a birth chart, that that's what it's standing for is kind of our our success, our fortune, whether it be physical, um, you know, whether it be material. It all depends where it is within the chart. And where, you know, what's the sign? What's the house? What aspects is it making? Where is the ruling planet of the part of fortune sign? Um, and how are is that aspected? And as we just went over, the sun, the moon, and the ascendant are, con- are considered um, as three of the most important points in your birth chart. And so the thing that you just got to remember with the part of fortune is it represents the place in your chart where this balance between the sun, moon, and ascendant can be expressed most easily. So it shows where you can attune to your environment in a way that brings success. But of course, this depends on how you use the energies of your sun, moon, and ascendant. If they're not in balance or in balance, or if they're not in balance, or if they're expressed negatively, the part of fortune can come a little bit more so like the part of misfortune. So the position of the part of fortune in your birth chart shows where you feel most at home and rooted in the center of your being. So it represents that inner sense of abundance and joy and isn't necessarily dependent on external circumstances. Outer harmony comes from inner harmony. So integrating your sun, moon, and ascendant will help you achieve inner harmony and in this will reveal your more innate talents and where you can access and find joy and abundance in your life. Now, this always takes a little while to achieve. So don't worry if you haven't gotten into this area of astrology yet, or you're like, oh my God, I don't know where it is in my chart. To be honest, I think that the part of fortune works better once we've kind of, after we've hit our Saturn return and we've had that moment of maturity or that tr- that maturity transit and we're just able to make a better real effort to grow into our wholeness and be more aware. Uh, so the part of fortune is kind of like that pot of gold at the end of your personal rainbow. Um, yes, it is there waiting for you, but it involves deliberate in- intent. It's not something that's just going to fall into your lap And it shows where you mustn't compromise your ideals. And uh, like for that, we need that maturity and self-awareness. That being said, of course, I don't mean that you have to have passed your Saturn return to look into this. You can absolutely look into this and try, hey, the sooner you begin working on it, the better. So of course, when you're looking at it within your own birth chart, the first thing you're going to look at is the sign and house position of the part of fortune. Now, some astrologers do believe that the house position is more important and this shows what you're truly interested in and where you hope to find fulfillment. Um, Now, personally, I don't work with the part of fortune enough. I feel like to have an opinion on whether um, this is correct, it's just something that that is um, often believed. So, you know, to, to your own discretion. But of course, the sign placement of the part of fortune along with its ruler is going to give, for example, a good indication of your profession along with the 10th house. Um, 
the social role your occupation is going to fulfill can be seen in the like the sign 10 signs along from the part of fortune and the 11th shows how you can earn money and how well. So the four main things that I would first check um, in order would be sign and house placement of the part of fortune, planets or points conjunct or opposite the part of fortune. Three would be the ruling planet of the sign in which the part of fortune is placed and that planet's house position. And then fourth, I would look at any other planets or points in the same sign as the part of fortune, even if they're not conjunct. So I hope that has given you some more insight into the part of fortune and the role that it plays within your birth chart. Also, where you can start to look for it. If you are like, if you're getting your birth chart online, a lot of the times it's not even on the birth chart. Like you might have to find a generator um, that specifically will add the part of fortune. I think Cafe Astrology does. Um, if I recall correctly, it, it does show you the part of fortune on your birth chart. So if you're having trouble, I would take a look there. I'm actually considering offering some mini readings for the part of fortune within your birth chart. Um, cause I have to say just revisiting it for this episode has definitely, um, reminded me what a neat part of astrology that it is. And I think I would really enjoy um, adding it. Is that something you guys would be interested in? Um, If so, shoot me an email or DM me or whatever. Let me know. It would probably have to be on a bit of a reduced availability. Um, But yeah, let me know if it is of interest and I will absolutely throw it out there because yeah, would absolutely love to take a look at this in some of your charts and see what's going on. Now, unfortunately, that's all I have time for today because I do have to leave very shortly here uh, to get to my next appointment. But I want to, before I dash out, I hinted next week there's going to be some guests um, on some upcoming episodes and there absolutely is going to be. I'm going to let you know our first guest. Um, Her name's Emily Quinton. She is a very good friend of mine and she is a I would definitely classify her as a garden witch. Um, She probably wouldn't classify herself as that, but I 100% she is a garden witch. Um, And so I turned to her for all of my, my gardening questions. And I thought it would be really fun to do an episode on garden magic, have her come on and tell us some tips and tricks and techniques that she uses in her own garden. She actually has two gardens in two different locations, and then works um, on a community garden as well. So she has a very real green thumb. Um, And yeah, that's, I'm sorry, that's all I have time for today. But thank you for joining me. And if you feel so inclined, if you want to leave a review, um, five star rating, I so appreciate it if you feel called to do that. And I hope you all have a great week. And well, I'll talk to you next week. Take care.